Tom Hanks and his friends get caught up in a deadly game of fantasy. I am the maze controller. Until they take it too far. I propose we play mazes and monsters in a real setting. It won't be a fantasy. Too bad for one of them, because now there's no turning back. This is only a game. I know, I killed somebody. Mazes and monsters. Can I ask you a question about this? Yeah. Did you like this one? Um, I was tuning in and out. You know, I, I, <laughs> it, it wasn't my favorite, no. It's amazing how when you hear about this movie, because I, I, this is the first time I've seen it. This is the first time you've seen it? Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be really like over the top, trashy 80s, fun, bad movie. Mm-hmm. And instead, I'd say there is a little bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end, and the middle is a whole lot of car rides and long mm. pauses. It's so boring. All that middle, yeah, you're right. It's like, well, that's why I said it. Maybe we should start, but um, well, well, we've started. That's fine. Oh, okay, fine. I'll. <laughs> Yeah, because you're listening to Network Special, the podcast where we talk about things played on TV that was only made made to be uh, played once. And Nathan, is somebody knocking at your door? That was me knocking on the desk. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who's that? It's our sponsor from HelloFresh. <laughs> this oh, is a. Boy. So we're talking about, as we've said, maybe I can't remember. We're talking about a, a 1982 movie called Mazes. And Monsters, starring a 26-year-old Tom Hanks, uh, fresh off of Bosom Buddies in his first leading man role, in a role you know, that I guess I, you could I, call dramatic? Yes, and I, I, there is some dispute on the internet about whether or not this is his first. Oh, okay. There is some other movie that he was in, it's a horror movie, like, which seems to be everyone's first featured film. Yeah, easy to get. Yeah. Um, there's some horror movie. It's called, like, Don't Go There or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's something oh, like that. Please let it be called that. Well, I'm going to look. Okay, let me go to good old IMDb. It, is this from IMDb or is this just some lunatic? Um, a few times I've looked at it and it said, like, for somewhere, somewhere I saw that this was his first movie, but then, uh, you know, The Mazes and Monsters was his first movie. And then I went somewhere else, and I was like, no, this is... Oh, it's called He Knows You're Alone. He Knows You're Alone. <laughs> what did is I say? Is this a Santa Claus movie? Don't, Don't go, go there. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 1980. You, you, he Knows You're Alone. Um, yeah. A serial killer movie, and I'm assuming he's way down there in the cast list. Oh, he's not even... You have to go to see full cast to see where he is. He plays, uh, he plays Elliot, the character Elliot. Hmm. Okay. So maybe Mazes and Monsters is his first kind of uh, partly co-lead role or something. Or maybe he's the comic relief and <laughs> he this, knows you're yeah. alone. <laughs> no, yeah. Definitely not in this. No. It looks like they are telling him to be as unfunny as possible in this movie. He, he if you are a fan of the Tom Hanks yell, you get to see a lot of it in this. 
<laughs> or Tom Hanks uh, trying out crying for the first time. Oh my gosh. That, was that the first time he ever cried in his whole life? He really does the Dawson's <laughs> Creek like meme. Yes. Goofy face cry where he scrunches <laughs> it all up. He kind of looks like when you put eyes on your chin and you turn your head upside down. <laughs> yes. So, Mazes and Monsters, uh, the reason I thought this would be more fun than it wound up being is because this is an infamous movie in some circles because it's supposed to be talking about the dangers of playing Dungeons and Dragons. Did you just burp into the microphone? <laughs> no, I That's yawned. How casual this is. Okay. <laughs> I yawned and, and air pushed through my tongue oh. and made that sound. It wasn't it wasn't a burp. <laughs> right. I guess I yawn a lot after dinner. Those yeah. noisy happy <laughs> yawns. It was one of those, you know, yawns that come right from your stomach. <laughs> Means you're really tired. Yeah. This is supposed to be a movie about the dangers of playing Dungeons and Dragons. But I would say if that's what they intended, it kind of doesn't come across that way. We can debate that uh, later, I guess, when we're done talking about the movie. Um, but and now you're falling over. You're so tired. <laughs> this, this microphone is the most sensitive microphone in the world. I'm just like well, yeah, barely yes. moving. Do you mean if you burp into it and then fall over, <laughs> it, it, it picks, picks it up? up yeah. It picks up everything. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got to get a worse microphone. <laughs> so <laughs> should should we start with where what this is all based on? Yeah. So um, part of the interest in this movie or what makes it even more interesting, it's kind of they they don't say this is based on a tr- loosely based on a true story. And th- they do not. They do no. not. Um, but it is. It, 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 the book was written in response to the story of this sixteen-year-old boy who goes to college right. named James Dallas Egbert the third, who sounds like a rich kid in a meatballs movie. <laughs> yes, but it's not that. It's this story is somehow funnier than a meatballs movie. <laughs> so he he's depressed. He wants to kill himself. So he's, he en- he's he's in college at age sixteen, right? He's incredibly brilliant. Yeah, um, not as smart as Doogie Hauser, but a couple years behind him, right? And so he, th- there's these tunnels underneath the college that he goes to, and all of the kids would hang out there and I don't know smoke pot or whatever they do, whatever kids do these days. And um, <laughs> these days meaning 1979. <laughs> yeah, those days. And Nathan he, is 105 years old. Yes. <laughs> what? That's why he has this old tube microphone <laughs> that picks up everything in the room. They they use this microphone to test for uh, alien language. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was developed by um, <laughs> by Carl Sagan. <laughs> um, so, anyways, he he goes to the to the tunnels and he's going to kill himself he fails because he's a loser uh, and he he ends up just running away and hiding at a friend's house family can't find him so they hire this private detective to find him he finds out that sometimes the kids would go down there and play dungeons and dragons and so he tells the media that that may have something to do with it of course the media only hears that part of it 
and creates a huge store stir about Dungeons and Dragons and how it will cause your kids to c- commit suicide or something. And then in response, mothers around the world form, you know, organizations to stop this. And well, did you know the name of the organization? Bad, right? It is the greatest name. It is bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. B a d d bad. So yes. good. It, wh- were they? Was it based in Australia or? I think she was from Australia. Yeah, which because I was gonna say that's very kind of English or like, you know, the word bothered. It's like if Winnie oh. Winnie the Winnie the Pooh made this. My 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 mistake. <laughs> I thought it was. There's something other Australian. Uh, no, this is a Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Oh, that's right. Patricia Poling started yeah. bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. I want to say after her son committed suicide, uh, who seems to have had a incredibly troubled life and also he played Dungeons and Dragons. Right. So she got mad about that. <laughs> yeah. So instead of, you know, figuring out where she went wrong, she right. it was the it was the one thing that she saw in his bedroom. And blamed it on that. But so she has a wonderful quote where she told a reporter that <laughs> Have you, did you read this? Um, maybe. She, she, she said by her estimate, 4% of adults and 4% of teenagers yes. were involved with Satanism, which means 8%. And the reporter said, actually, that means 4%. And she said, it doesn't matter because it's a conservative figure anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what a great comeback. She could have been president. I know. God. I know. I, I mean, yeah. Can you imagine... The look on the journalist's face. <laughs> what do you say to that? You, you don't just, say anything. You can't. It, I know you've lost. You look at the audience and you say, "I can't make this stuff up, folks." <laughs> <laughs> well, so what was the? Um, there was another great quote uh, from two people who wrote a book. Two pastors in 1987. They wrote a book called "The Catechism of the New Age: A Response to Dungeons and Dragons," and they wrote that role-playing allowed too much freedom, which the authors regard as a gateway to critical thinking, which in turn may result in heretical thought. <laughs> At least they're open about it. Yeah. They must hate Common Core. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut. Yes. Um, <laughs> so anyways, the kid ends up... Um, working on an oil tanker in Louisiana or something <laughs> this Egbert and he he they they he comes back home he the PI agrees to not tell what really happened that you know he just ran away and he comes back home and then he ends up succeeding in killing himself um and what was the reason why he didn't want to announce that he was fine just um, privacy i think so i can't remember uh, I don't think that I don't know if he said why. Just didn't want. I don't know if it was in that Wikipedia entry or not for for him. But 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 I don't know. That's when you're um when you're that level of depressed that you're willing to run away and do all that kind of stuff. I guess you don't want a bunch of 
<laughs> reporters at your house when you get home. I suppose that's true. But I mean, I, I guess there was such a fewer relate. This was a worldwide story. This was not just like mm-hmm. a local interest thing. Because it, for a lot of people, this was the first time they had ever heard of role-playing games or Dungeons & Dragons, which was kind of the realm of people who were very into technical games at that point, mm-hmm. which is not a giant swath of the population. But suddenly, it was this thing that was going to brainwash you uh, uh, simply through playing a game, which, I mean, is a romantic idea, but... It it was a complete mess. <laughs> we can agree on that. Yeah, the so, whole this whole and and this is all like the 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 this isn't just about the game. This is also a time period where the satanic panic is kind of really starting to take hold, which was an era where everyone was worried that Satanists were multiplying and everyone was going to be touched by Satanism in some way. Yes. Um, so any anything was toys and games and uh, TV. Everything was a problem. So Rona Jaff or Rona Jaffe um, writes a novel, which is kind of odd for her because she was a uh, mainly known for like a columnist at Cosmopolitan and kind of doing these Sex in the City style um, articles, and she writes a mo- novel very loosely based on this experience, but it gives the case even more notoriety. And she kind of comes to the conclusion that playing this game can make you, by all accounts, a schizophrenic who can't discern between playing the game (laughs) and playing a character to acting as that thing in real life. And she wrote this book like in a couple days because she was worried someone else was going to write the book. That she may not have been wrong. Um, <laughs> I know. Now, by that logic, you could say that people who are in plays or movies should be uh, mental cases living in psych wards. But <laughs> right, right. This game was new, so people kind of latched onto it. I mean, th- th- there's no difference between this and a, and kids playing cops and robbers or no. or anything. It's the exact same thing, except um, someone died who played it. <laughs> so like so that that's right. the that's the, the only link that someone was able to make that doesn't even hold up anyways. So that brings us to 1982 and uh this premiered on what network? I'm looking CBS December 28th. Oh, just in time for New Year's. Mhm. I can't tell if that was a big ratings time or that is you burying a movie. Mhm. It is directed by Stephen H. Stern. Yes. Who has a great IMDb photo. He looks like a real scuzzball. <laughs> and, and he is the director of a lot of stuff we're going to be watching. Oh, good Lord. He um, has 63 credits, and I'd say 60 of them are TV movies. And they're great. Uh, Not Quite Human, which I love. Yep. Still the Beaver. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Greg Luganis story, The Park is Mine, Babysitter. Sister. There's all kinds of great stuff. Um, but yes, he's great. And of um, course the devil and Max Devlin. Yes. Yes. Which we won't be watching for this, but we'll be watching in life. <laughs> <laughs> it is of course where Bill Cosby playing to type plays the devil. <laughs> yes. Yes. This one thing I also wanted to mention that I forgot to mention about the, the PI who 
in this original James Dallas Egbert story. He also, to show you where his credibility lies, is not all, so he investigated this, but he also uh, wrote a book called um, "O.J. Is Guilty, But Not of Murder." <laughs> oh, yes. he was just guilty of being a great ball player. <laughs> I, I guess so. Number one, and dad. There, there's. I actually have a DVD called this with by the same title. I have not watched it. I found it at the thrift store, and he also wrote another book. It was like it's something like. OJ is innocent. I can prove it. <laughs> like it's like a this big long line. It's like the real history, the real story of the Ron Goldman, uh, Nicole Simpson murders. You know. Wow. Okay, I'm looking up this book right now. Is it? So, I'm sure it's self published, right? It's the guy's be. name is um, William Dean, I think. Deer William Deer C. William Deer. Yeah. But I want to know if he. This. Oh yeah. This has a cover <laughs> that was not designed by anybody. But William Deere. <laughs> JJ! Hey! <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Good. Have you seen Daniel? Oh, I took it for granted he was up locked in some room with his latest woman of the week. I don't know. Do we have a fourth player? Well, I've typed up the notice, so I'm going to put it up in the bulletin board, okay? Great, let's go. This movie is much like Bad Ronald. It looks like everything was shot in uh, brown. It's mm-hmm. very dark. Uh, if oh, if you're a fan of paper mache cave, mm. if you're a fan of one cave set that you mm-hmm. see every inch of for long minutes at a time, you're gonna mm-hmm. love this movie. Yeah. Also, if you're a fan of like just a movie just laying it all out right away. I will say one thing, not ambiguous. Everybody in this movie, you know who they are Mm -hmm. and what they're thinking at all times because they'll walk into a scene and say, hey, I'm your father and I may love to work a little too much, but you're my son and you're going to college because you've been screwing up. I'm going to drive you. Here we go. I'm your dad. End scene. (laughs) There was an yeah. There was a blooper reel where someone actually just said that. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was only a slight exaggeration. Would you agree? No, that's exactly it. Like it op- It literally opens with a news reporter, like basically just laying out the plot of the like the moral of the movie. Yes. In his report. This has kind of like a Shakespearean wraparound where a Greek <laughs> chorus of this news reporter. <laughs> Uh, everybody looks like they're dressed from the 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has a trench coat and a little um, uh, fedora hat. Yeah, he tells you the plot of the movie you're about to see mm-hmm. um, and what you should think about it. <laughs> he, he says, yes, because he says, he says the, uh, it's a mazes and monsters game. Got a little out of hand. Uh, it's a seemingly innocent, but there are invented terrors within the game. It kind of plays out like in psychodrama where the... The kids act out their problems in life, and you might be killed if you play it. <laughs> like that's like exact. It's almost word for word. What almost. He says. <laughs> it also makes me realize just now what a good name Dungeons and Dragons is because Mazes and Monsters is such a terrible oh. title for a game. Oh, oh it just sounds so bad. <laughs> Mazes. <laughs> Maybe two M's always sounds a little dopey. <sighs> 
one thing that this movie knows as you are introduced to our four lead characters is you want your characters to be relatable to the audience. So you should make every single character super, super rich. Yes. Oh, my gosh. All these children are the children of billionaires. Yes. But uh, for some reason, they can't get into an Ivy League school. They're all like... No, they do. Tom Hanks got kicked out of his last school. That's right. That's right. So this is still an Ivy League school. He gets kicked out of the old one and gets sent to a new one. That's right. Okay. Man, they Um, are rich. They are. They are very rich. We're not first shown uh, Tom Hanks. We are shown... We're shown uh, the the what is really the Egbert character. Yes. Who's a 16-year-old kid. Daniel, who I did not realize was supposed to be 16 until somebody halfway through said, he's only 16. Yes. And I said out loud to nobody in my in my room, <laughs> he's 16? Because <laughs> he's a rough looking 16. Well, I was we're, I was wondering about that too, because like so everyone's bringing like bottles of wine to a party at his house. And like, I'm like, so all these 21 year olds are hanging out with this 16 year old kid. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that, I mean, he doesn't have friends besides the parties he throws. Right. Right. And he, and he, the first time we see him, he's wearing some kind of like Nazi military. <laughs> he's element. wearing like a world war one Kaiser helmet <laughs> yes. with a big spike. This kid loves hats. He he's that's his thing. He's he's just a different hat every time you see him. And I think you're supposed to think that he is what eccentric, but I think now it reads as autistic. <laughs> yeah, maybe. He has a bird named Merlin mm-hmm. that he's taught how to say things like birds can't talk. Yeah. And poor JJ. <laughs> yeah. If They Might Be Giants had been around when this was filmed, he would have been very into They Might Be Giants. Mm-hmm. He's that style of kid. Cert- certainly they were around then, weren't they? 82? Not yet. Okay. Uh, you're not going to get me with that one, Nathan. Sorry, I didn't know I was speaking to an expert. <laughs> uh, the president of the fan club. <laughs> there is a running gag that we're introduced to very quickly that does not pay off in a plot at all. And I don't understand why they included it, but Daniel's mother, who is also an eccentric, apparently redecorates his room with a high end designer. And so he walks into the room and his room looks like a uh, sterile lab. Everything Mm -hmm. is painted white. Yes. Except for the wallpaper, which is like a, a checkerboard with, but just the lines, like a crosshatch or whatever. Right. Yeah, and he's very upset. Yeah, his mom's like a modern interior designer, like kind of like, uh, like, like she probably also would have made something that looked like the Beetlejuice house at some point in your life. It's the Beetlejuice mom, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he's pissed about that, right? Uh, we meet JJ, mm-hmm. who is a good-looking Aryan race guy. No, no that's Daniel. Oh. JJ is the kid. That's right. Daniel is the game designer. Uh, like you said, the Aryan guy. JJ is the kid. I'm so sorry. Everyone mm-hmm. must have been screaming mm-hmm. oh, at, yeah. at their devices. Mm-hmm. That's what the, all those sounds were in my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel is also from a rich pedigree. Looks like an Aryan brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, his parents are mad at him. 
because he wants to be a video game designer mm-hmm. and they want him to design bombs or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, For the military industrial complex. And he's like, I just want to play some mazes and monsters. <laughs> uh, and then we meet Kate, who we know uh, she's not happy about her father leaving home. She's had a string of bad boyfriends. Um, we know all of this, and I'm sure of all of this, again, because she tells us very directly what mm-hmm. has happened. I, I, I love that they show how bad the parents are. But yeah, it's the game that's the problem. Right. <laughs> You're like, they're like setting you up like, like this movie is setting you up to think that, no, the, obviously the game isn't the issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> until it then says the game is the issue. They go to college. They're already friends, right? Yes, they're already friends. And, and then they, yeah, because they have, they're looking for a fourth player for the Monsters and Mazes. So all three of them are already current friends. And they all hang out at uh, Bridget Bardot birthday parties and <laughs> all kinds this, of weird stuff. This uh, movie is also true to life in the fact that. One thing about role-playing fanatics, they are all extremely attractive and incredibly wealthy. Mm-hmm. They also seem like, I think they talk about how they don't feel close to anybody, they're ostracized. They seem very socially adjusted. I, I they know. They seem to have a ton of friends. Well, and Tom, right, that party's massive. And then... And- and Tom Hanks. Yeah, I've been to sad college parties. <laughs> they are not wall to wall with people dancing the night away. <laughs> and Tom Hanks is like, before everything goes down, he's, you know, in this romantic relationship with one of the other people. And he's like a competent uh, lover. <laughs> <laughs> right? But you know what I mean? Like, he's like, like these are all just... Normal kids who are corrupted by this evil game. Here's my, well, I should say, I guess that they meet Tom Hanks. JJ meets Tom Hanks. He comes on like a real creep. Tom Hanks very understandably says, I don't want to play (laughs) monsters with (laughs) With you you freaks. (laughs) But he did promise his mom that he wasn't going to play the game. Right. Um, Then he just starts playing the game anyway. When they play the game, everything seems pretty blasé like they're just they're playing a game there's some candles lit so i guess there's some atmosphere well the room was definitely designed by satan no question (laughs) because of the candles yes i mean no right no human being would have that many candles in a tiny room is his father not heir to the yankee candle fortune oh Hmm. (laughs) thank god i have this imdb open (laughs) have you played dnd only very recently, somebody invited me to uh, play for a couple like rounds or a campaign, I guess it's called. Yeah. Um, I'd never played before that. And one thing, the reason I agreed to it is because the person who was leading it, I knew would not be uh, a, a, a stickler. Like they, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be down to like grind battles or whatever. It was going to be more story based. Yeah. A little bit more loose. So, I mean, it's kind of easy you easy in the fact that you make step up and you it's improv basically you're just kind of going along with the situation and finding your way out of it yeah i this is the first i played it this year for the first time too and um same thing like i was worried that 
I would get in there and then I would tr- say something funny or something, you know, and people would be pissed, you know, or whatever. Like, Oh, like they wouldn't like that. Yeah. They would be like, you know, why aren't you talking in your accent or whatever? You're, you're Elizabethan <laughs> pentameter, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> so, but no, the, I think I, and this is probably a testament to both of our, you know, dungeon masters or maze controllers as they're called <laughs> in the movie. Um, I, that they allow for whatever happens. Like I didn't realize that it is really just what you ever you want to do. They will let you do. Yes. It is totally open to uh, improv or imagination. At least what I, the version I was playing. Yeah. Like we would, we would, someone would say a funny joke thing to do and he would roll for it, you know, like, right. and then it would, something would happen potentially. It was just like, it was fun. It was fun. And of course I was playing with other people to, who also were new to it. So I think this guy was being very generous with, <laughs> with us, you know, but it was, it was, it was fun. We, we, I haven't played again, but um, I, I want to, it's like a work thing. But now you've rejected God. I know that's my biggest fear. <laughs> you, you love the dungeon too much. I know. Uh, I was also playing mostly with comedians, so mm. like, yeah, everyone was on the same page with that kind of. It, I mean, it's supposed to be a game where you have fun with your friends. Right. I understand why it's so popular. I also understand that if you're a person who takes things very seriously, uh, this game would be uh, intolerable. <laughs> I know. I, I just, it, 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 it just, it, you know, the worst like nightmare of like hanging out with like theater geeks or something where there's just like constant being taken this seriously or theater geeks uh, or, or fuss budget, I guess was yeah. more my fear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I feel like the, um, the people I know who play probably, all I mean I don't know maybe there maybe there isn't like a maybe everyone does play just and has fun this way maybe there aren't like a lot of people who are like you know why aren't you, you know like I said why aren't you talking in your accent or you think it's more we are talking about something that we have learned from sitcoms <laughs> yeah I don't know I I feel like people do you know I don't know I, I actually don't know I've only played once what do I know <laughs> I don't know, Nate. I finished. I finished. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So where are we on this? Uh, Well, here's the thing. I feel like we we have stuff to say about the beginning. Truly, the middle is nothing. So we can get all our conversation out about the first 30 minutes of this movie. This this movie, I was telling you last night, it's like a... Uh, a love story wrapped in a moral panic, like a story about moral panic. Like it's like most of the movie is kind of about like, like, so Tom Hanks character uh, starts dating the, the girl character in this. And so a big portion of it is them like hanging out and, and then it's like, it's a literal (laughs) like uh, naked gun style montage of them running in the park, having dinner, Laughing. Why, why did you go to Naked Gun? That's the because reference for the montage. I couldn't think of a genuine romantic montage. No, you're <laughs> right. There's nothing where like 
there's no nothing wacky that happens. What is a movie with like a very serious romantic montage? I mean, I can't any, think of any. probably any romantic comedy is you could it? find where people are just, uh, you know, they're exercising together and they're eating, you know, just whatever. Just just that kind of montage of stuff. Oh yeah, and, that famous scene in Notting Hill where they're exercising together. <laughs> you know, they're stretching. <laughs> well, and then even they even talk about like. Like, even the JJ, like, you can tell he's kind of jealous of... Uh, Their relationship. And then Daniel is really jealous, because eventually, when Tom Hanks breaks up with her, Daniel starts to get sweet on her. And, and he even, like, remember they even had that little thing where he's, like, Daniel is supposed to be, like, he's got a reputation for just... Uh, for being quote a makeout champion, I love that term. <laughs> so delicate, <laughs> and like he's supposed to be like this, and then you know, and then she, the girl, realizes, oh no, you are really a, a good a gentleman or whatever. This is such a weird freaking movie. <laughs> Maybe I should smash my motorbike into the dorm wall. It's too ordinary. They think it was just an accident. You know that no Grant University student has ever committed suicide? What can I do? There's gotta be this stuff that legends are made of. I want them to remember J.J. Brockway. I know. The caverns. Well, that's the thing is that there's so... It feels like there's so little mazes and monsters (laughs) playing... Because what we really find out is this movie is warning you on the danger of not going into caves. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a whole thing about, is this even legal what we're doing? Because eventually JJ is is upset that he feels that the group is disbanding, so he decides he's going to commit suicide. But then, after he talks it over with his bird, he decides <laughs> not to commit suicide. He decides that he is going to create the ultimate Mazes and Monsters experience. So he starts cashing in all his favor chips. Mm-hmm. He borrows a skeleton from uh, the science lab. Mm-hmm. He borrows a bunch of costumes from the theater kids. Uh, he does something else. I can't quite remember. I think those are the two things. And those he, are the he, two things. Okay. And he ends up like to get this going. They're playing their regular Mazes and Monster game, and he kills himself. His character in the game which kind of prompts everyone to say oh no now we can't continue this game and he goes and then he's like well what if i could show you the ultimate game and let me ask you whenever his character died in the mazes and monsters game did you assume oh this is where he's going to have his psychotic break i he's dead now i have to die kind of thing well i knew that that tom hanks was the one that breaks down but if you didn't know that wouldn't you if assume I didn't that's know, where the yeah. script is going because jj is set up as the sympathetic character who well, is yeah he's a, frail and he's already talking about suicide and so yeah of course he's going to be the one that's gonna like or he's gonna do like what i would have assumed is that he's gonna end up killing these kids somehow on accident do you think that there was an original draft where that's what happened in the book and then she realized i could get sued by the family no, I think what happened is is maybe they filmed an alternate thing with Chris Makepeace and thought Tim, Tom Hanks is really a better actor. 
or something. I don't know. Oh, you think this is like a Back to the Future situation where it's like Eric Stoltz for a couple days and they're like, oh, brother, this guy is not going to do it. I mean, I don't know. Like, I I, I really don't know. But it, it does feel weird because it is setting you up for JJ because he is he's the main guy of the whole thing until right. Tom Hanks shows up. Then all of a sudden now he's the lead. Yes. It yes. is so weird. It's very strange. So maybe there's two, 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 this is like two versions of a script put together. The only thing that tips you that Tom Hanks may have any kind of frailty, because he does not act as though he is on the edge. You have no clues that anything is wrong with him. At one point, he tells Kate while they're dating uh, in a a story that I thought was going to go in like a gremlins direction that on Halloween night, uh, his little brother disappeared. Right. And he doesn't know where he is, and he never forgave him for it, and he's worried about it. He has, like, abandonment issues because of it. But he and doesn't he dreams seem, about him every night. He dreams about him, but he doesn't seem broken by it. He just seems as upset as you would be when you were young and had that happen to you. No. When, when he eventually snaps, which we'll get to here, there is no... It is, it's like when Anakin decides to become Darth Vader or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, okay, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> like, it's like an instant. It's really, at a, yes, it, he turns on a real dime because <laughs> they go to these, what's the name of these stupid caves that they go to? Oh, Pequod. The Pequod, Pequod Caverns. Ca- caverns. I looked it up to see if it was a real Are place. And, and every time I looked up Pequod Caverns, it was just for links about this movie. Okay. <laughs> so I'm assuming no. No. Uh, they go to these caverns, um, which are supposedly uh, pretty windy and twisty, but they go on for a while. And he says, we're going to play live action mazes and monsters down here, which doesn't seem to include them rolling a dice or consulting a guidebook or anything. It's just him yelling out directions like... It's a treasure hunt. Keep going. Yeah. You're now hot. Now there's a monster. Now you're really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Your eyes cold. <laughs> And, and and by the way, how is he doing that? He doesn't have a... He, uh, there's no way he could see where they are. And he doesn't have a megaphone or anything, does he? I think you're supposed to believe that he's somewhere in the cavern that really throws your voice around. Yeah. I am giving this movie a lot of credit for that. I, I'll idea. tell you what, though. I would... That sounds freaking fun, though. Like, what was going on? Like, I was, like, I, I was thinking, like, I want to play that freaking game. <laughs> I want to go in those caves... And I want to search for treasure, right. and I want to fight a lizard monster. Yes, and one comes out straight off the set of Star Trek. <laughs> he, uh, for some reason, JJ announces now there's a monster, and Tom Hanks, who is on his own, sees a real monster. Oh, that was a big burp. He sees a real <laughs> monster <laughs> coming out of the caves. I assumed that JJ took a monster costume from the theater company. And when Tom Hanks stabs the monster, he would kill or hurt JJ. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a, like a, yeah, I thought there was another one person in there, but it's not, he's hallucinating. Tom Hanks has for no reason had a complete mental break from reality to where he is seeing real monsters in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that point on, you yeah. He believes that he is his character, um, a a holy priest, level nine, ninth level. level. 
What is his? What's his name? Uh, Guy Bob Par- Pariput or something. Pardue. Pardue. Pardue yes. or Pardue or something. Oh, Robbie, you were great. <laughs> I just thought I was going to have a coronary occlusion or something. It was JJ, great. that place is incredible. I was so scared. I love it. Great, JJ, really. What's wrong? I'm a holy man. I, I never kill unless I cannot overcome the monster with reason or spells. I've got these to compensate for my lack of warlike skills. Knock it off, Robbie. So then, yeah, so then they leave and he's he keeps telling everyone, bless you. And like he blesses everyone, and they're like, this is, they're like think he's doing a gag, like like he's doing a bit, like okay, we get it, you're still the character, but he like does it forever, <laughs> like he just keeps doing it, and and the girl is worried. He eventually has this dream where he's told by this great powerful person named Hall, which is also the name of his brother, um, that he needs to be celibate. Great nightmare sequence where we are uh, treated to the inside of a vacuum cleaner tube with Tom Hanks looking down one end of it. Yeah, it's like the James Bond or the 007 like gun hole, gun hole. But yeah, yes. it, but you're right. It is a vacuum tube instead. Unlike a Michel Gondry level production. <laughs> and yeah, he's just, you know, he's getting imagery about two towers and there's all this kind of weird stuff. So all of this leads to him just having a complete breakdown and thinking he has to go and kill himself. Um, uh, and we weird. should also mention when we say all this goes on, what we mean is 30 to 45 minutes of characters driving around aimlessly talking about how they're concerned about Tom Hanks, another Halloween party where nothing happens, mm-hmm. dream sequences where nothing happens, People walking around the cave where nothing happens. Uh, did you notice the Darth Vader mask in that party scene? Oh, no. I have a theory that in every movie shot between 1978 and 1985, <laughs> there is going to be an illegal Star Wars character somewhere in a Halloween party scene. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, I, there's, a, there's a quote in here. When, 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 his, when uh, Pardue has this dream... Mm-hmm. He says to him, I think Pardue says to this almighty character that he's been getting dreams from, he says, I love you and I want you to forgive me. Hmm. Which, like, when I heard that, I probably thought that was probably super chilling for any Christian moms watching this. Huh. You know, like, he's, he's, it's not Jesus that he wants forgiveness from. It's this. Oh, sure. Dungeons and Dragons character. Yeah, I'm sure that was a pull quote for a couple. Great focus on the family articles at some oh. point. Are you? Are you? Who are you? I am the Great Hall. Once you gloried in killing, now you are of a higher level. And then JJ stops wearing hats for like a couple scenes. Really? He drops the hat? That's how, oh, it's the serious part of the movie. He gives, yeah, he gives up the hats for a couple of times and then they go back into the caves and he's back on. He's got, uh, you know, like a, I don't know what's like a boat hat, like one of those like, uh, tweed boat hats. <laughs> Whatever. Um, a tweed boat. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure you're right. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like 
a, a movie character who wears them, but you know, like they wear like a brown jacket with the pat, the brown patches on the, on the the elbows, and then they're. Do you mean like more like a newsy cap? No, it's like a. It, it goes down like about near your ears. Anyways, <laughs> this okay. is not worth the this direction. Okay. Okay. Um, and then like what's what's great is everyone's like worried about him. Robbie is Tom, Tom Hanks' name. I've been trying to think of it this whole time. <laughs> Everyone's worried about Robbie and like, did he, did he like, kill himself? Like, did he run away? And, and, and all JJ can think is, do you think Robbie was involved in another game? <laughs> like, he's like, <laughs> he's so concerned about losing his role as maze controller. Yeah, a better movie would have kind of gone in that direction. Not our, not our boy. <laughs> Well, I kept thinking that, like, so they, the, all these kids, like, they use their game skills to figure out what's going on with Robbie, where he is, like, how, they, how to find him. They, they solve all these clues. And I'm thinking, like, that's the movie. Mm-hmm. There's all these kids who play this game, and then now they're using the game uh, oh, it, to solve talking, a problem in real life. You, you mean know? The, the fun version of this movie. Yeah, a good version of this movie. I see, because instead of doing nothing, including going to the police, <laughs> the reason they don't go to the police, by the way, is they're concerned that the police will know that they've been playing this game. Yes. and This game is not illegal. And they'll implicate them. It's the caves. They're worried about the caves. And they think that if something is wrong with Robbie... They'll show them this map or whatever, and then the map will prove that they're killers. I don't know. (laughs) They're so worried, so they come up with all these schemes. But then, don't they just show it to them anyways? Yes, (laughs) they just give it all up anyways. Well, they they put it on their uh, the detective's car window. They anonymously (laughs) leave them all these clues, and 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 the cops like, look, if Robbie's in the cat in the caves, he's dead. There's no question about it. Which is true, is it? If Robbie was gone, uh, how long is Robbie oh, you mean supposed that to be long. gone? You mean that yes. Long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Hello. I have a collect call from Robbie Wheely. Will you accept the charges? Yes. Robbie. Hey, I'm in New York. New York. Robbie, are you all right? What happened? Oh no, I can't remember. Um, Robbie is looking for the two towers, which they think is a Tolkien reference, but he is just wandering around the streets of 1982 New York, which is the the, best time. The one part of this movie I liked. (laughs) What a time to be, a time to live in New York. Like, I know that it was way more dangerous, but man, all the freaking, like, paraphernalia you know what i mean like the the theaters and the the griminess like it's all that stuff that i wanted to experience when i was a kid for some strange reason right because you saw it in movies and they were like this is new york yeah (laughs) hey kid (laughs) why don't you come Well, I think probably because of the hip-hop stuff, too. I probably thought, like, oh, I'd love to go to Brooklyn and the Bronx. Oh, I'm like, sure. Right, right. I would have, like, crapped my pants if I was there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Nothing. I love seeing grimy, on-the-fly, 80s New York footage. Oh. Like, that's the one thing I really liked about uh, Jason Goes to Manhattan 
is mm. it's just the dirtiest city in the world. It's the most unpleasant it looking is, place. You know, and and you and I don't understand that. Like if my house looked like New York does, mm. I would lose my mind. <laughs> but when I go to New York and I'm in the subway and I see a rat walk by, I mm. am thrilled. I am so excited. I'm like, hey, I'm in New York. The old New York. <laughs> Lou Reed, baby. Andy Warhol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's like, I don't know. I love it. Like, I love all the scuffs, the griminess, the gr- like. Sure. Well, many uh, people would agree with you. That's why they're I, saying that uh, Toys R Us in uh, Times Square was a bad move. Yeah, I guess that's why I. I mean, I guess it's because I don't live there. Bring if back I li- sex world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I lived there, I'd probably be like, "God, this city sucks. Yes. What is? Why is it so dirty? <laughs> I'm so tired of being mugged and grimy all the time." <laughs> oh man! Oh, speaking so- of mugged, <laughs> Tom Hanks almost gets mugged and instead stabs a guy. <laughs> stabs a made-for-TV punk. He thinks that. So he's still in illusion, in illu- in his, in his, he's still hallucinating, and so he kills this lizard monster. Same thing as before. They did not get a new costume. No, but but acts, but which is really the street tough, right? And so he thinks he murders someone, and that kind of snaps him out of it a little bit. So he calls, he calls his friends to tell them, this "I was- think I murdered someone," and this is where the great, great crying scene happens oh i think this is the second best crying scene okay okay. but whenever this is where things got more confusing for me because before i was pretty clear everyone was announcing exactly who they were and what they were doing in every scene this is where tom hanks you think he has snapped out of his fantasy and he's back to reality he knows his friends names right he's calling them for help he thinks he's murdered a person uh, so the movie, he will conveniently go back and forth between being in his illusion until he's not. Yeah, it it doesn't make sense because he's not even dressing like the characters or like he still he still understands that he's in a real world. Right. While this is going on, the mayor from Jaws shows up <laughs> and he is playing an investigator and <laughs> William Deere. I assume. Yeah, we assume he's playing William Deere. And I think this actor is a good actor, but he is also the most businessy actor you've ever seen. <laughs> this guy never stops like poking his finger into bookshelves or stirring his coffee. The guy is in <laughs> constant motion whenever he's on camera. Well, if he stops moving, I, I know oh, that. He's like a shark. He learned it from Jaws. <laughs> He it's can't those, stop moving. Like when you're when you're acting and you're just standing there and mm. you don't know what to do. Like a good like a good actor knows what to do with their hands. Mm. But if you don't know, then you'll do whatever you can do that won't look ridiculous, right? Uh, oh, so you think he's a terrible actor? <laughs> I don't think he's a terrible actor. I think he's just uh, overcompensating. I think he's an actor who loved business and he had a director who didn't say, uh, maybe cut back on that about half. Maybe the whole monologue does not have to be delivered to your coffee cup. You don't have to unroll the toilet roll paper. (laughs) There's not going to be anything in there. 
he so so then he's they get him to agree to meet them at JJ's house. They go there, he's not there. But we are treated to a side scene where JJ where JJ's mom has re um redecorated his room. But this time he likes it cuz it's all about Bridget Bardot and 40s Hollywood or whatever. It's, it's Casablanca theme. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It has that's Humphrey right. Bogart director chairs. That's right. And neon palm trees <laughs> and like old Moroccan chandeliers. And he goes, "I love it." And uh he's brought the bird. Yeah, the bird he's is back. dragging this poor bird in a cage with him everywhere he goes. Pardu, what are you doing? Going to join the Great Hall. You can't. It's a trap. I have spells. I'm going to fly. So they figured out that really with the two towers and Hall, Hall is a reference to his brother. The two towers is a reference to World Trade Center. So they're rushing to get there because they think he might do something bad. He might try to kill himself to be to reunite with his brother Hall. Right. This may be the worst day the World Trade Center will ever have <laughs> when somebody jumps off. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> then we have a scene where it was a real screwball comedy where Tom Hanks goes up an escalator and they're downstairs <laughs> looking for him. Then they go up the escalator and he goes down the escalator. They are one step from looking out a door and then him looking out the other door, but the other way. <laughs> they are all in barrels and they all appear in different barrels when they go up and down. Yeah, so they it's fin- a slow yakety sax scene. <laughs> they finally get to the top. He's at the top and he says he's got a he's gonna fly because he's got magic and he's gonna jump and reunite and that's how he'll get to the next level and they save his life um then we get to the real goopy face crying scene yeah that is right he's in reality again and his face uh melts (laughs) that's right (laughs) yeah that's the the vanderbeek yeah (laughs) the meme and so then they fade to to black and how long ago how long from this point to when we cut back in. It is either three months later or six months later. I don't remember. Okay. So it's later. And <laughs> they are, we're all kind of seeing what everyone's doing, right? Like, it's really just. We're not shown, but we are told what everyone's doing. Because they're all in the car and they all announce, this is what I'm doing with my <laughs> life now. That's right. And so they're all, because they're all going to hang out with Robbie. They're all going to see how he's doing. And you're kind of led, like, his mom is kind of acting like he's okay, he's been fine, everything's fine. Uh, And so then they go to see him, he's living at their mansion. And we find out, well, that's not true. He actually still believes he's Pardue, or whatever the guy's name is. And he thinks he's living at an inn, and that he pays the innkeeper every night. With a magic coin that reappears every morning. And there's an enchanted lake with something sinister across the the way. And while he's delivering this long, long exposition, their reaction is to go, Robbie, Robbie. (laughs) You're still playing this game? (laughs) Right, they're they're still. They're really bummed out he's a schizophrenic. (laughs) Well, (laughs) but they're still also holding out hope that he's just doing a bit still. 
like oh, you adult, think that's like, what they're doing because he says like oh come on like he's doing a bit on top of the bit like he's which means it. he was fine f- the entire time that they had like ushered him out of the world trade center and that they were like taking care of him that means that he was fine and then months later relapsed no i think what it means is they don't know like they haven't they they don't I'm saying in the timeline that the movie is telling us. Well, like maybe if, they haven't seen him. Maybe they just maybe he went off and they haven't seen him since. So you think that day they sent him away and they haven't seen him since then? I think so. And they never checked in on the friend who they were pursuing. That's what they're checking in now. That's what they're checking. Oh, this okay. Is it. This let's is wait it. a couple. Let's wait a couple months. <laughs> yeah, you know, let him go through counseling. <laughs> cool off. Yeah, and that. Well, anyways, he yeah. So he's still the guy, and then Daniel. Um, everyone's still kind of like, come on, come on. And Daniel's like, uh, he decides just to play along. Yeah. And they play one and they, and she says, and, and then there's an, there's like a narrator and it's the girl. And she says, and so we played the game one last time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I guess that's supposed to be bittersweet, right? Not heartwarming, right? It's not supposed to be heartwarming. It's supposed to be kind of, well, we're supposed to feel bad and scared, but also right. uh, think ki- kindly of his friends. Yeah. But yeah, so. And then game. we get a real treacly ballad that we have at the beginning, middle, and end of this movie called oh. Friends in This World. <laughs> friends. Yeah, by uh, Judith Lander. Yeah. Who uh, I do not know. Do you know her? No, but okay. I'm interested. I like this song. Do you, do you genuinely like it? I would not put it into a mix I'm going to give to someone. <laughs> uh-huh. But I did like it in that it's just has a feel for that time period, you know, it's nostalgic somehow. Okay. Um do you like that song Candle in the Water from Peace Dragon? Um it is the ballad from Peace Dragon. It sounds a <sighs> lot like Friend in This World. I used to play the songs from Pete Dragon on my saxophone. <laughs> okay, well then you definitely. I just don't remember which one that is. It's like uh, is that it? Like, no, this is that's a, a this is one, a right? classic like seventies ballad. Yeah, well I'll look it up and then report back. We'll do a, a mini episode after this talking about that song, <laughs> and of course getting into the career of Judith Lander, who is a lot of Canadians. This is a real dripping with Canada movie. Mm. A lot of slow maple syrup on this pancake. You think it was filmed in uh, like uh, Toronto or Ottawa or something? I don't know. I know that a lot of the production company was Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you a lot of it was filmed in Canada. It's much cheaper than filming uh, here. At the actual Pequot Caverns? (laughs) Yeah, they traveled... (laughs) <laughs> that nature formed over centuries out of paper mache. <laughs> yeah, th- this cavern, these caverns were great. They were absolutely, th- it, it was like when they went into the caverns, it turned into like a British TV show. Yes, like a puffin <laughs> stuff cavern. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, what did you think overall? I think we both have said it. It's, it, it we we had hoped for so much more. Here's the thing I was really surprised by with this movie is I've seen 
satanic panic movies. I've seen mm-hmm. like plenty of scare tactic teen movies. I felt you had to be in the headspace of already not liking Dungeons and Dragons to make the leap that the game is what made this kid have a mental break. Right. Because it seems more like his untreated issues made him have a mental break. Right. And none of the other kids had any issues. Yes. With that's, this game. Right. It's like, that's why I expected, like, oh, JJ's going to get sick and Robbie's going to start turning and maybe, like, the other two's relationship is going to go bad. But, right. It kind of like, wouldn't it speak to the game not being a problem that everyone else is totally unaffected? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. This, they did not, they did not convince me. What I'm saying is the movie like, fails it, on an entertainment uh, yes. level and it fails on a the level that it's looking for, I think, which is to scare you away yes. from these games. Right. Like, exactly. That's what I mean. Like watching like I've watched all that stuff, too. I've watched a bunch of documentaries, you know, things about bad toys. And in those things, even though I 100 percent disagree, they do such a great job of making everything seem so sinister. And in this it's just so lame and innocent <laughs> like i'm not like i like like this there's nothing scary or dangerous or anything about this game at all do you think part of that is and i think it, the problem is the direction and the script but do you also think there is a portion of it that tom hanks seems so innocent and is so famously likable that he doesn't seem to have that darker side to have that snap well the one thing they do is that they don't he doesn't have a dark snap like it's like very sweet and innocent like it's about celibacy and he wants to be a holy man he's really not supposed to like so it's not like it turned him into a devout christian (laughs) i know i know like he's like i won't use this knife unless i have to like he's like Give everything to the poor. Uh. (laughs) So, like, it's not like it's there's nothing scary about it except that he he accidentally, you know, hallucinates. Like he hallucinates. That's the only scary part about it. Yes. Right. Right. I think that maybe this was that Dungeons and Dragons scare was new enough that. Uh, we didn't yet know how to make it seem dangerous. Hmm. The scare, you know, like the not not that Dungeons Dragons was new, but that um, the the fear around it was new. Right. I feel like a lot of the stuff that they were afraid from Dungeons and Dragons is how uh, Ouija boards were perceived. Yeah. Because that's always the old trope in like haunted house movies is they pull out the Ouija board and similar things happen. Has <laughs> happened in this movie, kind of. Yeah. Uh, there's a ad, a great classic TV guide illustration ad for this movie. In in the in the ad, it has kind of a Goonies style poster where they're all standing at the mouth of a cave with torches, and their shadows are turning into monsters. How it many disappointed awesome. kids? Yes. Oh. How disappointed would you have been as a child? thinking this is a movie where people turn into monsters after playing this game, Jumanji style. 
It is so awesome that poster. Like, <laughs> I, I I wonder how many kids started playing Dungeons and Dragons after seeing this. Probably hmm. probably none. They're like, this game sucks. It looks boring. Who plays this dumb game? <laughs> but you know what's interesting? I because I keep thinking about the Dungeons and Dragons TV show, the cartoon. Oh yeah. And it, you know, it ran from eighty three to eighty five. Like what I love about this is it ran from 83 to 85 in like the height of like probably stuff going on with that bad organization. Oh, like, for sure. It's yeah. like, it's like they were like, Oh, you want like, we're let's double down on this. Like, yeah, it was insanely popular. Yeah. And, and this, now this was an interesting, like this was a fun, interesting kind of show. The kids, you know, where things are happening, but like, yeah, it was such a different um I love that where Hollywood and moral panics collide. <laughs> you know where they're like it's almost like people are like you know what screw you this stuff isn't bad and here and here we'll we'll we'll, we'll make we'll make a we'll, we'll full on just to explore this thing you guys are upset about. Well, do you know what uh, network the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon was on? Uh, was it on CBS? CBS, baby. Yes. It started running the year after they played this movie. Right. So now what's they great about too it? worried about it. Yeah. That's what's great. Yeah. That's the other thing great about it. It's like, this was supposed to be a par- uh, a parable about, or, you know, like a, a, a warning tale. And then the next, the next year, the guy's like, Hey, maybe let's go back to that. Maybe it wasn't as bad as this movie's making it out to be. One mm. thing I did learn from this movie is that back when in New York, if you wanted to visit the World Trade Center, you could drive right up to the front doors. There's an easy parking space. The whole street's open. Oh, yeah. And then you just jump out of your car and run in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't have to. There's no uh, meter. I couldn't believe how much people were driving. That's the other reason I think that most of this is filmed somewhere else. A lot of driving. Mm. Yeah, I know. If you lived... Well, I mean, if you live outside of New York... Um, do they even... No. Do they even say it's New York? Or they, or we're just assuming? Well, they say Twin Towers, so... Right, so, they, so you don't even have to... Right. Um, yeah, so this college is on the outskirts of I think it's supposed to be in like upstate New York. Right. How many times in the movie do you think okay, so we knew JJ, we thought JJ was going to kill himself. Right. Or something. But then also remember Daniel goes back to the cavern too. And you're meant right. to think something bad's going to happen to him too. But, but no, he it- was just cheating. Yeah, he says he was looking for the treasure. He eats up a lot of screen time, though. <laughs> I know, because she gets lost in the cavern, too, trying to find him. Yeah, goes nowhere. It, it, that is such a weird... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's like four scripts to this movie. I think this is my my closing question, unless you have more stuff you wanted to get into. Do you have anything? Um, I mean, I could talk all night about Satanic Panic, but... Well, I, I think we'll have, for- <laughs> we'll have plenty of opportunities to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my last question is Tom Hanks good in this? Um, I like him except when he's, uh, crying. Okay. 
he's doing his he's doing the Tom Hanks thing. He's he's being funny. He's being charming. He's you know he's he's acting like a like that opening when you first see him and he's with his mom and she's like, "Don't play the game." He's like, "All right, mom." Like that's like the that is classic Hanks. Yeah, it's like he's doing a great, you know, he's doing Hanks like he's doing his his guy. So I I do think he does good. I think he did not. Uh, he needed some train some uh, acting classes for crying for sure. I don't. I I guess I agree with you. I don't know quite what more he could have done. Um, this is a role that <laughs> it's so crazy. There's no way that you can like elevate it. I guess right. He can't do like a subtle crying and stuff. He has to scream and right tear his eyes out. Oh man! If they did multiple takes, and the director said like, "Just just go big, just for me, just like we'll do one. We're not going to use it. Just like go big, and then I can go like we can take it down from there." And then they use that one where he looks like he's going through a seizure. I think you nailed it when you said his face was melting. That really, really goes, really takes it. Um, the the people, other actors in the movie, like. Chris Makepeace, I was that name is always so familiar, but when I look him up, he's only done like a couple of movies. Like he's in Meatballs and yeah, but like Wendy Crewson, uh did tons of stuff. Yes, she, she was the girl. She plays uh, the wife or the mom in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But you know, she's in Twenty Four. She's in Air Force One. She's in a ton of TV. Yeah, work good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think I think we've uh, pretty much sewn this up. <laughs> <laughs> so does this get a, a a don't watch from you? This would get, I would tell people don't bother because I can't even think of like a highlight to show people. I I never say that. I never say don't watch something uh, because I want everyone to experience all the stuff that we do. But um, <laughs> uh, but I would say. No, like I wouldn't say, tell my dad, hey, you got to watch this movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? But for someone who's into, you know, the stuff that we talk about on these well, shows, if, it's certainly... It, if it, you're a it's fanatic a, completist, yes, I'd say do it. But if you're a casual viewer, no. I don't think this is enough Mm-mm. fun bits. I don't think it has any fun bits in it, does it? No, there's nothing... No, this movie is not worth... Um, like, if Tom Hanks weren't in this movie... Oh no! Well, I Dungeons don't, and Dragons people would care about it. But yeah, that's but it. I wonder. I wonder if. Yeah, I guess if it would stick at all. Because like whenever I heard about this movie, I never, I only heard about it when someone brought it up because Tom Hanks was in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I did read about it from following Satanic Panic stuff. So if you're in, if you're really into the Satanic Panic uh, movement, um, certainly watch it for that i guess i guess this is a real minor chapter (laughs) in my opinion but but yeah no i'm not gonna like i said i'm not gonna like uh go to people at work and say hey you really should check this out (laughs) yeah okay maces and monsters you get zero uh what 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 is our what's gonna be our uh you get zero netties (laughs) zero zero species (laughs) Uh, we'll get we'll get back on that. Zero uh TV guides. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs>
Oh, does it get, wait, does it get a jeers? A jeers, that's good. This is a jeers for sure. I'm going to say it's a jeers. It's a jeers for me, Nathan. You know what I always thought when I was younger? I always thought, like, when I was pursuing entertainment, like, or at least when I thought that I was going to, you know, like, do comedy and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. I always thought, like, my, like, my dad would only truly be proud of me if he read me, it read about me in the cheers section of TV guide. (laughs) (laughs) Or even the jeers section, at least they're talking about me. Yeah. Any publicity, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, this gets a real big fat jeers. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) All right, man. (laughs) All right, special heads. You heard the man. He gets a big jeery. Oh, special heads. That is, we are going with that from now on. Special heads. I love Yuck. It. All right. I'm sorry I said it. And I am saying goodbye to everyone. Uh, see you later. And so we played the game again for one last time. It didn't matter that there were no maps or dice or no monsters. Hard you saw the monsters. We did not. We saw nothing but the death of hope and the loss of our friend. And so we played the game until the sun began to set and all the monsters were dead. 